I have to preface this homily by saying, I do not at all want to sound like I am complaining. Okay? Very clearly. Because I love being a priest. I wouldn't trade my life for anything. And all the crazy situations that come at me in my life, I see as gifts from God. I truly believe that. <clears throat> but for the sake of this homily, I want, you to te- I want to tell you that the life of a priest can be exhausting. And it's not so much because of the workload. It's more because of the content of conversations and the context of conversations. I don't know how many emails, texts, and phone calls I get in a given day, but I know that almost none of them say, hey, Father, just wanted to check in and let you know my life is great. Hope you're having a wonderful day. Instead, they're almost always about helping someone in the midst of crisis or trauma. I have talked people out of suicide. I have talked for hours with men and women with marital problems. I have been berated by people because they misunderstood what I said or was trying to do. I have counseled high schoolers, college students who suffer from depression. I have talked for hours with several women trying to dissuade them from having an abortion. A few heeded the message, a few did not. I visited people in the hospital of terminal illness, stood by hospital beds with families as their loved ones died. I prayed with families who have lost their children to cancer or who have had miscarriages. I baptized a baby who was born and then died two minutes later. I work with couples who are trying to save their marriages because one may have committed adultery. I have worked with young men and young women to overcome the scourge of pornography. I, have sit, I sit in the confessional for hours listening to the pains of humanity, prayed with mothers whose sons have left the faith and turned to drugs. I've worked with numerous sexually abused victims, counseled young people who cut themselves and suffer from depression. I've stayed through the night in the emergency room with families of their loved ones or having surgery because of a terrible car accident and may not live. And then as an occasional pick-me-up, I celebrate a funeral here every now and then. Then when I finally get back to the office, there's a whole host of emails, voicemails, and mail to be sorted through, not to mention the ongoing shortfalls in the budget, the lack of money, and the problem of not having enough kids in the school for next year. That's the priesthood. And again, I'm not complaining in any way. I'm just explaining my life. But I have a suspicion that your days aren't much different. We're all surrounded by some pretty rough stuff. And we're perpetually bombarded by bad news. Besides all that's going on in our personal lives, right? We have to deal with the ongoing unrest in the world, the country falling apart, violence continues to enshroud the country, falling test scores, increased dropout rates, and on and on and on. And so what do I do to relax? To get some joy back in my life, I watch the Vikings. (laughs) And it's just more bad news. I want good news. Does anybody else just want some good news? Like, I just, 
I want to turn on the news and I want to hear, hey, 5,000 planes landed today. Yes! Not one of them had a problem. But we don't get that. The world is longing for good news. And man, oh man, does the gospel have some good news today. It's Jesus works his first miracle at a wedding, a festive occasion. But at the marriage feast, we hear that they run out of wine. I can think of nothing more embarrassing than for a married couple to throw a huge party and run out of booze. That would be terribly disappointing. And what happens at the wedding wedding feast at Canaan will sooner or later happen in every human life. Namely, the wine runs out. And what do I mean by this? The biblical symbolism here, wine often symbolizes joy. And so in life, joy runs out. The natural human life, the natural joy runs out. If there's anything I've learned in my 11 short years of being a priest, it's that without a real lived relationship with Jesus, joy will not last. Love will not last. If I quit praying every day, I would not be a priest in, I bet, a year. There's too much. There's too much. And the same with married couples. There's too much. I think I've told you before my favorite quote, one of my favorite saint quotes is St. Francis of Sales when he says, every Christian in order to be called a Christian must pray a half hour every day. Unless you're extremely busy, then you have to pray an hour. Because he knew that the more busy we got, the more distracted we got, the more bombarded we got, the more joy would just slip away. And then we just kind of get by. Doing our own thing, running from vacation to vacation, from pleasure to pleasure, but never really having joy, like a deep sense of abiding peace. And I think that this, that this is what the gospel is trying to convey to us. That that deep, lasting joy cannot be given by the world. And so what is the answer for a joy-filled life? When the, run, when the wine runs out, we must run to him. They immediately come to Jesus. Well, first they come to Mary. I always wondered why they came to Mary first. Why is that? I think it's because Jesus and his disciples drank all the booze. <laughs> I do. <clears throat> Maybe not Jesus, but you've got to remember, this is his first miracle. He's, got a, he's surrounded himself with some pretty rough-neck dudes. These are hard-working, beer-drinking, truck-driving kind of guys. And I think they went a little hog-wild on the free booze at the wedding feast at Cana. But Mary says some very telling words. And she just doesn't say them in the gospel. She says them to all of us. Do whatever he tells you. Do whatever he tells you. And he tells us sometimes to do some pretty crazy things. And this is seen right away, even in the wedding feast of Cana. He says, take those six stone water jars and fill them up. Now those six stone water jars, John tells us, were used for ceremonial washing. It's like Jesus saying, take that bathtub and fill it up with water. It's disgusting. Gross, nasty water. And then Jesus, if we trust him, if we do it just like the servants did, he makes 
180 gallons of alcohol. To give you a, a perspective for Americans, right? That's 12 16-gallon kegs of beer. And it's not old Milwaukee. It's cool, crisp, craft beer. I looked up on the internet, average yearly consumption of wine for countries in the world. Greenland roughly takes in 180 gallons of wine annually. Jesus made enough booze for a country. What is this trying to tell us? That when you do what he tells you, when you listen to him, that he provides in superabundance. And it's the best. Remember, they take it to the head waiter, and the head waiter's like, Whoa, this is amazing. Most people serve the best wine first, but you saved it for the end. This is the very first miracle that Jesus performs in his public ministry. Why? Because Jesus wants to make abundantly clear to all of us, God is about joy. He's not about rules. He's not about being a policeman. He's about joy. And he wants you to have joy and have it in abundance. And that's why, as the Second Vatican Council said, Jesus Christ reveals man to himself. You want to know how to live? Do whatever he tells you. Not just what you like. Don't be the cafeteria Catholic. I like that, I like that, I like that. It's all in. It's all in. And even though our lives are often interrupted and our joy is taken from us in this life, we will have it forever in heaven. And that's not my just happy little message for today. It's God's promise. It's our hope. That's why the miracle comes at the end. Not the beginning. God's superabundant joy will be ours one day if we do whatever he tells us now in this life. And not only will it be ours in heaven, it will be ours here. Sometimes that promise from God is the only thing that gets me through my day. Simply knowing that the end of all of this mess is joy. If God thought it was worth putting up with all that we churn out every day and still made us, and still became one of us, and still went to the cross for us, and still rose from the dead for us, if he thought all that was worth it, then the ending to this story must be incredible. And that, my friends, is very, very good news.